Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode. Good. Okay. Welcome. So today I want to continue actually, again, this is not linear, but stage four that last week we spoke about the goof dock. This week, I want to talk about bodiless energies. So talking about the goof dock, if you remember, um, the, for those of you who, who just remember the idea of the ethereal body, which was this lifeless or this life form that is for the most part undetectable to the physical eye. For example, actually before this, we were talking about the idea of souls, let's say at a chuppah, at a wedding ceremony, coming from the world of truth and joining their families um, to usher in a beautiful new couple into their life together. This is the gufdak. This is the ethereal body that is coming. So what ends up happening, uh, a natural continuation of this discussion would be opening a door and discussing the general idea of ghosts, of spirits, of phantoms, of basically all the invisible entities or energies that many feel permeate our world, that permeate our atmosphere. So there are some people who believe that this idea of gufdak, of the ethereal body, has something to do with a sixth sense that resonates and picks up vibrations or traces of these forces. The way that these entities or these energies are normally or normatively experienced is by a person living in this world sensing that something is there. There's an external quasi-objective feeling or presence of sorts. Spirits are viewed as a residual resonance of the past being expressed in the present. I'll explain this soon. Now, clearly, these external energies 
cannot be visually or empirically perceived, or at least in, in the traditional way of seeing things. Yet, for those For those who claim to sense these realities, let's say there are people I see in the comments uh, smelling or, or, or feeling something, they will tell you that that experience is as physically real as any other experience in their life. So while the physical eye doesn't see the spirit, what we're going to call the third eye does. And it's important for us to, to understand this because the reality is, is that we are spiritual beings inhabiting physical bodies. So it makes us, it makes sense for us to have various types of spiritual experiences while inhabiting a physical world. We are not physical people in a physical world. I think that we could have that baseline covered in this class. Maybe other people would debate this. But we all understand that we are physical, yes, but we are spiritual bodies inhabiting a physical world. Or spiritual beings inhabiting physical bodies, for that matter, in a physical world. Years ago... Prior to the modern revolution of science, any force that was quantifiably indiscernible, but was still somehow, and I'm using this kind of loosely, was somehow felt, was attributed to the world of spirits. People would say, oh, that's a spirit. That's a ghost. And that's how the idea of, of ghosts and spirits and phantoms and apparitions, that's how it all started coming to being. So this is, I would say, one way that a modern person tries to explain away the idea of spirits. What do they do? And this is probably what most of us were raised with in our Western civilization. They relegate them to the world of illusion. They'll say this is fantasy. It's very easy to relegate those things that you don't truly understand. Or maybe they scare you a bit. It's easy to relegate them and say, that's fantasy. That's nice. That's imagination. I'm proud of you. Write some kind of fantasy imaginative book about your ghost stories. The the, the concept of something being a figment of our imagination is another colloquial method of discounting the occurrences of spirits and, and things that just can't be quantified in the world of the physicality. So because of this, 
a fair number of scientifically oriented individuals speak of apparitions as a type of illusion. You'll hear it as a type of mental image originating in the mind that is projected as an external entity. That's how, generally speaking, our Western society has looked at it. Illusory perception is the way that some authentic interpreters treat some of the stories in the, in the Bible. So the book of Shmuel tells a story. I'm not sure if some of you know the story before, but it's a story of the first king of Israel. His name was Shaul or Saul. He was the first king of Israel. And it's a story of this king going to a witch. Now, in biblical times, before a ruler would engage in battle, they would first ask a prophet. Prophecy was normal during that time. Everybody had a prophet. Before that, I, you know, you, you weren't a king or you weren't a leader if you didn't have a stargazer. That was also normal world. I mean, every ruler had a stargazer. Some looked in the stars and saw what was going to happen. And, and, and would, the people would make decisions based on the stars, based on the constellations. But in the biblical times, prophecy became the most uh, looked at or, or sought after way that somebody would make a decision. And so the, the, the king or the leader would go to the prophet and would ask the prophet whether it was a good idea to go to battle, let's say, or, or to make this decision. Generally, it had to do with battle. And the prophet would then enter a prophetic state and seek divine guidance and decide whether or not it was good for the king or for the ruler to do what they did. Following the passing of the prophet Samuel, there was a war with the Philistines that appeared to be looming. There was no prophet because the prophet Samuel had died. And Saul tried every, this king, the first king of Israel, he tried every possible method to procure divine counsel. He tried many different ways, any way he knew. He wanted to know if it was a good idea for the Jewish people to go to war with the Philistines. When all else fails, He's left with no other option but to summon the soul of a prophet by ways of witchcraft. Now, witchcraft is against Torah law. So this is very controversial that Saul is going to a witch. Let's understand just from a Kabbalistic perspective what's going on here. We're not saying that a witch cannot get an answer. We're not saying that somebody 
who who um who who's uh, practicing black magic can't get an answer. What we're saying is that the world was created with free choice. In, in Kabbalah, it's called Zeh Zeh, which means that every single thing has a counterpart, which means if there is a good way to do something, there's also going to be a not good way to do the same thing. And you may end up getting the same result but two different modes. A witch is someone who practices a certain type of magic. And through that magic, they're able to procure particular things. There are, there are people who, who, who do various things today. You have to be very careful because there's a lot of people who do things, but they're not really... Uh, but, the, but during this time, there were people who really knew there was a tradition of witchery that people really knew I mean, if anybody uh, in their early days ever uh, uh, played with the Ouija boards or anything like this, I mean, this is there. There are things that that can be done, and and things that are used to procure particular things with the ethereal. Uh, we can go on and on about this, but I think you get the point. But the point is here is that there are ways that are good, and there are ways that are not good. They may get the same result, but there are certain things. For example, witchcraft is against the Torah. So even though we, are, we acknowledge that through witchcraft, somebody can get a particular result, like King Saul wanting to know if he should go to war with the Philistines. He could get it through witchcraft. It's just against the Torah. But that's what he did. He had no other ways, and he was used to counsel. Prophet Samuel wasn't around, he goes to a witch. Now, he was the king of Israel. People knew who he was. So he disguises himself as a simple traveler. He leaves the palace, and he goes and visits the witch. During their encounter, the witch apparently succeeded in her task And Saul was able to communicate with the departed prophet Samuel. Now, while most traditional commentaries view this episode as a genuine exchange between a deceased soul and a living one, there are some. It's very, you know, here I always say that I I don't take any sides. I give you all the different perspectives. There are some who interpret this incident as a case of elaborate imagination without, let's say, a kernel or a trace of any validity. According to those commentators who say that it's an elaborate imagination, Saul experienced an illusionary conversation and perceived it as genuine. To put it simply, he was fooled. Are you tired of swiping right on every dating app out there and still getting nowhere? Are you convinced that you'll forever be alone, surrounded by nothing but uh, cats and 
empty takeout containers. <laughs> Hi, I'm Aliza Ben Shalom, the host of the new show, Jewish Matchmaking, which you can find on Netflix. And I'm the love rabbi, Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and we're inviting you to join us for Matchmaker Matchmaker. Each week, we'll answer one of your pressing relationship questions, from how to get over your ex to how to deal with your partner's annoying habits. So if you're ready to laugh, uh, cry, or maybe even find love, then tune in to Matchmaker Matchmaker, and it's available now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Besides the workings of the imagination that may come into play, there are also, there's also rational explanations for the sightings of spirits. One that is connected to the supernatural or to the paranormal. Any type of recording that is done and achieved through imprinting an image or sound on a certain type of medium that is receptive. For instance, a photograph is accomplished when light activates certain chemicals to produce a photochemical reaction. The scene of the picture is transferred to the medium and it's later reproduced on a sheet of paper or on a screen. Maybe I'm just saying that some scientists would suggest that the seeing of ghosts is but a reproduction of an image that was long ago imprinted and recorded in the fabric of a surface. Maybe just like a film. And when light shines in a particular way on that surface, the image reappears. The object appears to exist, but in reality, it's more than a picture. Now, in a case where photographic image is not feasible, the, the person who is scientifically minded may resort to the idea of an illusionary perception as a valid explanation. We're going to get to dreams later. Dreams is another way. But from a spiritual perspective, these two, imagination and reality, are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Illusionary does not automatically mean that the thing that a person is hallucinating has no external property. An illusion can be unclear or even lucid vision of something that does in fact actually exist. Some illusions are internally based and they're purely a figment of the imagination, but there are some things that may have an external reality, and yet the only way they can be perceived is not via the normative or rational ways of perceiving. For example, the way 
the more the the mind normally processes three-dimensional realities but through the more imaginative faculties of human consciousness i don't think it's a problem i think actually it's very helpful for someone to be able to tap in to this illusionary perception souls whether enclosed in a body or not will be able to sense each other's presence. The way consciousness feels this attraction is by sensing presence. Something is pulling them towards a certain direction, thereby focusing their attention on a specific phenomenon within their immediate surroundings. The reason the reason why some people speak of sensing lifeless souls within physical properties is because the soul, even when it leaves the state of physicality, is still connected and it's still enclosed within a type of mass. It's a, a weightless translucent body and and it is this body that the living perceive so when we talk again about this idea of the goof dock when we talk again about this idea of this of this ethereal body the ethereal body can mean a lot of different things. And if we are able to be spiritually sensitive, we're able to see something different. We're able to see, we're able to feel and connect with something different. Questions, comments? Ghosts and spirits are allowed to comment on this. So this is probably why, well, not probably why, but when Ghostbusters, I know you're a big film person. So mm -hmm. obviously somebody had the idea to build an imaginary machine that would sense when ghosts are there. Because obviously the people, even though it's a fictitious movie, but there's more to it if you really read into the Ghostbusters, right? It depends well, whether you believe that or not. That's, and well, that's that's what I'm saying with regards to, let's say, something like Ghostbusters. That's what's happened. What happened is our society kind of pushed it aside and made it imaginary. They made it, you know, made it into Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? They, they, well, so, they, yeah. But it's the same thing also. Terms have changed. But I think... Um, actions have not that much. People used to call women hysterical if they were a little off or depressed or postpartum or whatever. They say, she's hysterical, a.k.a. crazy. Whereas we still have those same, right? We still have those same properties, but they don't use the word hysterical anymore. So That's interesting. The word hysterical is usually used with regards to humor and funny right that was hysterical that's in your age in yes. my age and older i'm not 69 and three quarters anymore 
It's where the word hysterectomy came from. Oh, he said it's from the word, his, where the word hysterectomy no came from. No way. Stop. Wow. Is that true? They're all saying no way. No, it is. It is. Said, yeah. is say it's for, you know, I think some Latin for uterus. Is that correct, Bruce? Something like that. No, wow. he, he walked away. He must have oh. just heard me talking. Yeah, but it's very connected to I, I heard female. Yeah, that's organs. amazing. That's why we need medical professionals around. Wow. I find it interesting that um, when we talk about pe uh, people dismissing others' experiences as made up imaginary, I also have noticed in the cultural, you know, paradigm that we're in right now is that that is even being pushed farther into the existence of, of an intelligent force like Hashem. Most recently, um, a Jew, uh, what's his name, politically incorrect, Bill, Bill Maher, is that his name? Yeah. And, uh, he was actually going on about this, that, that a Jewish soul was saying how bizarre it is that in this day and age, we need to have a, a pretend force in the sky that's you know doing things for us. So, so not only, do we do a lot of people dismiss this idea of having a sixth sense? They have pushed that boundary farther to saying that God is imaginary. This is this is a this is a very different conversation, which I'd love to have at some point. But I always find it fascinating with people, for example, like Bill Maher, who are so infatuated with God that if you're look. If somebody comes to me and says, I don't care, whatever, do whatever, do your thing. I don't care. That's okay. You're apathetic. You know, but somebody who's infatuated with being like with know it with God must, must probably secretly believe something. So why do you care so much? You could care the same amount about uh, about music or 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 be infatuated with uh, with with culture. Why are you infatuated with God? Because you actually it bothers you, and there's a piece of your soul that is that is saying that there's something here. There's something more to the world. <laughs> so, you wouldn't get you know, so angry I, about it. Whenever I have a university student at my table, because I often have university students since we're on campus here. Uh, and I have a university student at my table who's really challenging me. I'm like, you be careful, sir, because you're going to be religious if you go too far. If you're <laughs> going to challenge me too much on this, if you care so much, because you know what happens is I'm going to answer you and you're going to get answers to your questions and you're going to be in trouble soon <laughs> with yourself. <laughs> I think it's so topical because there are so many people that want proof. Again, we go back to this science versus belief system. And it, if it doesn't line up in their heads, then there's a big question mark. Yeah. And that blows my mind because isn't science kind of based on you have to assume you're wrong? Because if you don't assume your hypothesis is wrong and test it, you can sit in the wrongness for a very long time. We've seen that happen in medicine, in physics, in astronomy. So this idea that, well, if science doesn't say it's true, then I can't deal with it. Then I say, well, imagine if, you know, 200 years they stopped there with medicine, right? right. We'd be walking around leeches all over our bodies. When or, we or, or we'd just be taking vinegar and baking soda and making volcanoes all day. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs>
But yes, it's a, it's a very good point that you make. A very good point. I always get confused. And maybe you could define in less than 30 seconds because it's not that complicated a question. But the difference between atheist and agnostic. Uh, an agnostic is someone who doesn't care. An atheist is someone who has studied and come to the conclusion that there is no God. Okay, so the atheist is what you had just mentioned earlier. That's right. The atheist uh, is the person that I, because, because if you care so much, you see, I believe, it's not only me, but in general, there's a belief that values are arbitrary, which means you can create value, you will create value to anything that you think has value. So which means values can be changed. Personality can't be changed, but values can be changed. Which means if somebody is an atheist, they can very easily become a believer. If you're an agnostic, that's very hard because you're just basically apathetic. You're like, I don't care. And there are okay. people who are not, they're, they're, they're not spiritual people. It's okay. You, not everybody has to start, you know, delving into the world of spirituality and, and God and, and, and all of these things. It's not for every person, but for someone who this is something that matters to them, that, that's important. And that's why we can have these conversations. And somebody, had, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, please. I had this <clears throat> this very conversation with a very dear friend of mine here, <clears throat> and it's really it's difficult to say I'm really a very spirit. She said I'm really a very spiritual position or um, person, and yet I don't believe in God. Right. And so how do those, I don't know how that ties together. No. no, religiosity and spirituality are two different things. I am not a religious observant person, but I'm very religious in my head of knowing who I am and what I, I guess spiritually somebody, too. Somebody once came to the previous Rebbe and said, I don't believe in God. And he smiled at him and said, I don't believe in the same God you don't believe in. <laughs> Love that. Oh, I want that. I want to write that down. I don't have my pencil and paper now. <laughs> and I think that's a really important because the truth is that it's true. Nobody in this room right now will believe in the same God as a suicide bomber, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. They use it's a word. It's a word that is used. Okay, so that's why I like to use the word Hashem because Hashem doesn't have that same connotation where god maybe have would have a bad rap and and rightfully so in our society hashem not as much so i agree and i think that somebody says i'm spiritual but don't believe in god i also am spiritual but don't believe in that same god i love that thanks let's uh I apologize that this is such a somewhat uh, an important topic with such a uh, not enough time to cover today. But uh, what are the takeaways? What are the nuggets? What are the golden nuggets? What are you What are you thinking, Joe? Let's start with you. What are you What are doing? What's on your mind today? Hi. Um, <clears throat> well, I was thinking, you know, just in our little conversation about proving, like, how do you prove that there's anything beyond this physical world, and you know, it, in medicine, especially in like drug trials, 
there's this gold standard of how you do things, but it's measured within this, these parameters. And so anything outside of it, whether it's acupuncture or spirituality, you can't measure it in the, in that box. And therefore the Bill Mars, the whoever just say, it's, it's not real. It doesn't exist. Therefore, because it's not measured here when we didn't have that box a hundred years ago, 200, that's a newish box. And, I and, think and that's it's not even a, it's not even a box that we're still developing that box. Exactly. And there's, you know, it's getting bigger or we're developing other boxes or there's other ways to measure things now. And I, I just hope I want to remain open to that possibility always. So I think that's my takeaway. Even if I can't see or feel or hear it, I, I, I believe that I will be able to, or hopefully. I'm going to pass to Alessandra. Thank you, Jill. I, I, I was connecting this to some talks I've heard of from Rabbi Friedman, I believe, where he talks about the difference between existence and choosing existence over life, or rather choosing life over existence. Uh, existence being filling up the space and choosing life being, I mean, that's my summary of it. And pardon if, pardon me, Rabbi, if it's not exact, but choosing life is rather choosing a meaningful way of living as opposed to filling up our existence in the material world. And I think that once you start making that shift, it's easier to sense the life that is around us. So when you say, as I mentioned in the chat, I, I sometimes I smell, I smell something that, and it's often uh, the smell of roses. There's absolutely no roses in my house. There's barely anything that has rose scent in my house. And yet sometimes I'm sitting in my kitchen of all places where there will be even less rose and, and I sense a rose presence. And so when I start, when it, when it starts hitting me that I smell it, I, I, I'm, I associate it with a presence being here. And actually I, I thank them for, for being with me and, and I continue doing what I'm doing. So I don't know if I have the illusion of of that presence, or if if my or if it's my way of sensing mm. the presence. In in any case, it's 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 a connection. It's amazing. Sorry that I'm I don't want to interrupt your your nugget there, but yeah, it's a connection. Yeah. And I believe it is, and and I and I look upon it as a very positive thing that anyone would make the effort of letting me know they're here. Right. If, if, if it matters to them, then it matters to you. Absolutely. Well, I love that. And it's an amazing feeling. So let me pass this on to Marianne. Hi, everybody. I've been listening to you uh, for, uh, well, I've been re-watching and re-listening to all the, the, the videos. So I've been here. So I'm just, I'm just asking a question. Is there any space for a question regarding another lecture? 
or is it for the next time? Because I've got a question about the soul and recycling body and everything. Okay, let's let's too- um let's let's start off our class next week with that. Just remind okay, me. Okay, please. Week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really, I would like to. Thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Well, what's your nugget today, Mary? Uh, my nugget is what you said about. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I don't believe in the same God you do believe in. So uh, this is an interesting answer, you know? So thank you for, because, because I, I'm, yeah, yeah, because I'm just something, I have a, sometimes some dis- conversation with friends over with my husband and uh, we're talking about Hashem, God. And um, and so this is an answer, I've, I, this, this is a very good answer. I mean, it's funny. And it's just, uh, it, it's straight to the point. So thank you very much. And one more thing, um, I love the jokes you, you, you have in your, in your newsletter. You know, those are my best jokes. Those are the first jokes I can remember. And I'm- Oh, talking, really? You know, it really, I don't know. There is something that, is, that touches me. So I can't even um, uh, just, uh, just um, tell them. I, at, how do you say this? I just remember. Les raconter. I just can uh, tell the joke. Yeah, I can. Thank you, Alessandra. I can tell the jokes uh, with friends, and I love them. You know. So thank you very much. Okay. So, well, thank uh, you for that feedback. I, I'm very yeah, happy. Oh, that's great. Please send them back because I I I I I, I copy them and I just. Uh, uh, th- thank you very much. So I'm sorry. I my nugget is was about. Uh, the, the God I don't believe in. It's a great, it's a great nugget. Thank you. And oh, I pass it to uh, Kelsey, who is just. No, she doesn't hear me. So Chava. Oh, I'm sorry. It just took me a minute to unmute. Oh, sorry. Um, actually, mine was the same nugget. Um, yeah, I do not believe in the same God you do. I think that sums up so many things so i'm going to hold on to that response um i will pass to see julian there oh see um so i don't have a great uh, i don't have a significant insight this week unfortunately but i do have three points to make um one is a quick question one is something only half serious, which I hope is not disrespectful, and one something which is a bit serious, but I hope it's not disrespectful. So the, the quick question is, um, thank you for the recordings email. Um, is it possible to also email us Rabbi Sree's two weeks when he recorded? Let me so, ask him. I haven't had a chance uh, to ask. I will ask him about it. Uh, thank you very much. And the uh, not entirely serious one is, um, I, I, my, I guess the summary would be that a skeptic would say that the guff duck and anything associated with it is a Disney cartoon with Goofy and Donald Duck. But sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of summarizing everything. I appreciated that one, Julian. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it makes it easier to remember if you can laugh at something it's easier to it sticks in the mind um, and the third one is um, I don't mean any disrespect but I, I feel that someone that's a, a Gnostic is someone that doesn't know 
rather than someone that doesn't care. They might incidentally, by conclusion, not care, or they might not care in the first place. But either way, the definition of the word is someone that doesn't know. A, I think it's a or ab gnosis, someone without knowledge, and hence the term the Gnostics, the people thank you. that. Thank know. you for clarifying that because you know it's true. I'd rather go with that. I'd rather go with that definition than than not caring that they just don't know. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'll, I'll go pick someone. Oh, um, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Fami hasn't been. Yeah. Would you like to speak, Fami? Uh, uh, he's not there. Okay. Somebody else who hasn't had a chance? It's Alessandra. It's Alessandra. Oh, has Andrea had a chance? Yeah. Yeah, you had a chance? Oh, oh. oh Chava. Chava. Thank you. I, I've just, I've taken away a distinct um, feeling of do as I say, not as I do, because I can think of some things in Rambam and the Talmud when we talk about stargazing and witchcraft. And so I'm going to just, I'll have my takeaway be the Seinfeld moment, like, What's the deal with do as I say, not as I do? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Is there anyone else that we're missing today that hasn't had a chance to say anything? Bami, are you, are you there? Okay. Well, in that case, this has been wonderful as per usual. And Marianne, don't forget to, uh, we'll start off next week with your question. Merci. And, Thank uh, you. And next week, we'll also go to um, we'll go to stage five. So I'm excited to do stage five next week. So uh, till then, have a great week. And anyone who's staying for Tomwood, Thank uh, you. start in a minute. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Good to see you all. Bye. Thank you, Rabbi. Yeah, thank you. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're gonna see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode.